Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Welcome back, everyone, to the Flowtrack Podcast. I'm Kevin Sully, joined by Gordon Mack on today's episode. Talk about the latest investigations into USATF. Also talk about some rumors we're hearing around the Olympic marathon trials and the future of that race. Gordon and I might give a recap at the very end of the show about our trip to to Houston as well. It was very fun. We got to see a track practice. Don't get to see many of those these days. Um, But we'll start with a a lighter story. First of all, Gordon, uh, are you recovered? We don't do many of these trips. How are you feeling the day after? You were on your feet a lot. You were filming a lot. Are you still in like race shape? Yeah, you, you make a good point about my feet. When you work from home a lot and just not like the way we're living our lives now, like we're not really walking around much, my feet actually hurt. It was a weird situation. Not that I've been sitting on in a chair for two years. Like clearly I can go out on weekends and up. But like I think my body's been training that like, hey, Monday through Friday, you're not doing much. You're sitting a lot. You're in your home. You're on your couch. You're doing this. So for us to stand for – you know, six straight hours, my ankles were feeling it a bit. I got to work up my ankle, my ankle strength. But yeah, anyway, it was fun. Got to go to a track practice for the first time in like two years. Uh, Feels like we're getting back to normal. So that was exciting. Yeah, we'll talk about it a little bit at the end. Before we started, I was looking at Twitter. I saw this tweet. Bleacher Report tweeted, what's harder to win? This was 20 hours ago a Super Bowl ring or an Olympic gold medal, and they have a picture of Tyreek Hill on one side and Usain Bolt on the other, because as we know, those two people represent those two feats. And then uh, there was a response to it from the football site, uh, BR Gridiron, that said, that quoted Tyreek Hill. I don't know when he said this. It says, my one Super Bowl ring is like 30 gold medals. And that was about him racing Usain Bolt. So... One to 30 is the ratio that Tyreek Hill has has come up with. I have I have thoughts on how he came up with 30, Gordon, because I did some research. 
and I looked at Wikipedia, okay. and I saw. I did some research too. Did okay, but here's my too. here's here's why I think he got okay. up came up with thirty because he was looking at the Tyreek Hill went on Wikipedia, and he looked at who has the most gold medals in history, and he's scrolling down, he's scrolling down, and he's looking for names that he recognizes, and he looks sees one right at the top, Michael Phelps, boom, twenty three gold medals. He's like ah. My Super Bowl ring's worth more than that. But then he keeps scrolling. He keeps scrolling. And then he sees Usain Bolt. Guy's been talking about a lot. He says eight. He's eight by Usain Bolt. Remember, that four by one got taken away. So it should be nine, but he has eight. He's like, all right, well, I'm good. A Super Bowl ring is really important. But if you go Phelps plus Bolt, 23 plus eight, you get 31. So he's willing to go far, but not all the way. So it's not worth a Phelps plus a Bolt. It's worth a lot of Olympic gold medals, according to Tyreek Hill, but not as far as Phelps plus Bolt. So you, you lose by one there. Okay, I did some math. Okay. <laughs> I think that's a good theory, but I'm just going to break it down by the numbers. Okay. He is saying one Super Bowl ring is worth. 30 gold medals, 30 mm -hmm. Olympic gold medals. Because uh, we're talking yes. about the Olympics. We're not talking about world championships. He's, right. He is referencing Olympic gold medals. Okay. One Super Bowl ring equals 30 Olympic gold medals. Okay. How many Super Bowls have we had? We've had, what? 52 Super Bowls, right? How many mm -hmm. players are on a roster? 53 active roster. I think it mm -hmm. goes down a little bit lower, but we'll just assume 53. 53 times 52 means they have given out to players, not to coaches, not to staff, not to the water boys, not to the owners, 2,756 Super Bowl rings have mm -hmm. been given out. Now, I'm sure earlier Super Bowls might have had smaller roster sizes, but for the sake of this experiment, 52 Super Bowls, 53 Super Bowl champions every year, mm -hmm. multiply that out, that means – there are 2,756 Super Bowl rings created for players in history of the NFL. Right. 2,756 rings. Okay? There have been only 29 Olympics in the history. So there have been 52 Super Bowls, but there's only been 29 Olympics. 2,756 divided by 29. We would have to give out 95 olympic gold medals for um to be the same number of super bowl rings now i get it we probably do give out more than 95 olympic gold medals right every olympics because it's a lot of sports but if we're just talking track hell we're just talking one gender of track hell we're just talking one event group of okay. track mm -hmm. it's really you only get three chances the one the two and the four by one right Right. So right. we're talking 95 to 3. So what I'm trying to say is 95 divided by 3 is 31. You are 31 times more likely to win a Super Bowl than win a sprint Olympic gold. 31 times more likely to win like a I Super Bowl than a sprint Olympic gold. I rest my case. That's the numbers. It's science. And Otto Bolden says, go home, Tyreek, you're drunk. Fred Curley put up the clown emoji. They know. They know you are 31 times more likely to win 
So he got the inverse. He had the ratio wrong. He said one super <laughs> ring is equal to 30 gold medals. It should be one gold medal is equal to 30 Super Bowl rings because that's the math. My favorite part of his statement isn't the 30. The best word in that statement is like because he was coming up with some form in his head and he's like, nah, like 30. Sounds good. 30. Is that right? Listen, if you're talking track, let's just keep it to track here. The fourth string per, unless you're talking relays, very few people are getting them on relays though, gold medals. The third string's not getting a medal, a gold medal at all. Tyree Kill, Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, you hear about those people getting Super Bowl rings, starters, significant players, starting on the O-line, the D-line, all this, but, but there's all sorts of people on that roster who never even touch the field in the game. They're great athletes, but that's the difference between a Super Bowl ring and an Olympic gold medal. You're not just jumping on the team and getting a gold. It doesn't work like that. Again, you could do it in a relay. You could do it in a relay. But even then, that's very rare. That's very rare. And you're already having to be in the United States, most countries, you're top six in that relay pool already. So 30, way off. I'll just say it. Even think 30, about this. Not accurate. Only three 100-meter runners get to go to the Olympics, right? Yeah. In this situation, yeah. 10 wide receivers get to go to the Super Bowl. Five mm -hmm. for Kansas City and five for – who did they beat? I don't know who they beat. Whoever they beat. 49ers. Niners. Uh, 49ers. Mm -hmm. So that means the 10th best wide receiver has a chance to win Olympic gold uh, – has a chance to win Super Bowl – ring the 10th best 100 meter runner in a country doesn't even get to doesn't even get to get on the airplane to go to the olympics mm -hmm. doesn't even get to be in the olympic final let alone like it there is so much more weeding out when it comes to track and field and cutthroatness of you the elite of the elite of the elite the fact that mm -hmm. the fourth like the fourth the fourth best 100 meter runner in the u.s on in another timeline could easily win Olympic gold. Like you can find a situation for me. Like I, I mean, I talked about it. There's a, there's a way Fred Curley wasn't at his peak, could have easily got fourth at the Olympics. I mean, fourth at the Olympic trials. And then he never goes on to potentially win an Olympic gold. That's how tight the margins are. That someone as great as Fred could be on the outside looking in. No one's going to be on the outside looking in when the Super Bowl because they let 10 wide receivers go. Now, obviously, we're, we're, I'm taking weird stats and doing like this, but the whole point is he's got the, the ratio wrong. It's not 30 Olympic golds to one Super Bowl ring. It's 30 Super Bowl rings, actually 31. 31 Super Bowl rings to one Olympic gold. It would, have been, tough it would have been tough enough if he just said a Super Bowl ring is harder than – Olympic gold, but then he put the 30 on, on top of it. I think for, he's a track person. He knows track too, which makes the track people even more disappointed, but I'm sure he appreciates you uh, straightening him out there. I'm looking at the list, most Super Bowl rings in history. Belichick, eight, because he had two with the Giants and then six with the Patriots. So he's actually ahead of, of um, Tom Brady. But then you go through seven and six, and it's all 
the football research director, the coaching assistant, the scout. All like, they don't have that. They don't have that in in Olympic gold medals. You know, you're not like, hey, who's the most decorated uh, coach? Or sorry, who's the most decorated Olympian of all time? It's not like Michael Phelps's coach. No, it's Michael Phelps. That's what that's what it is. We weren't talking with Allison Felix last year going for records. We weren't being like Bobby Kersey because he coached her and other athletes has the most for a coach. No, talking about the athlete, which underscores this whole the silliness of the whole debate. I mean, yeah, by that you could say like Max Siegel has like a thousand Olympic <laughs> golds, right? Because he's a CEO of USATF, right? That's what you got to do. Exactly. There's a, condition, a conditioning coach has six. He had three with the Cowboys and three with the Patriots. There's a scout that has six Steelers. It's incredible. It's incredible. Um, do you think this means we're closer or farther away from seeing Tyreek Hill, not race Bolt, because I don't think that's going to happen, but Tyreek Hill do a DK Metcalf type race? No, I don't think he's ever going to do a DK, DK Metcalf type race. I think, I think Tyreek Hill knows in the back of his mind how great the, the best of the best are. He may, he may have forgotten a bit because he may have this thought, which is a rightful thought, I'll say, because I do think there is a timeline where if Tyreek Hill chooses not to go the NFL route, I think Tyreek Hill easily could have become, could have become one of our best sprinters in the U.S. and maybe even in the world because he was running 20 flat in high school. Right. Like you don't yeah. do that, right? So he, if he would have take all of his football training time and replace it with track training, I think he would have been in the conversation. Um, but he didn't. He chose not to, so he's not in the conversation. So yeah. he had the potential, but we'll never there's no time there's no uh, time machine there's no time machines in track and field. I'm sure I'm not sure if you knew that, but there's no time machines in track and field. So because of that, Checks he's uh, not gonna be able to win any track race. You think deep down now he's got made a lot of money off football, way more than he could have made sprinting. But do you think deep down this comment is a reflection that he wishes he ran track? Yeah, he like he's kind of projecting a bit. Little he, insecurity. He to, little yeah, insecurity. He has to justify his his life decision of making not only is my dollars instead of. <laughs> Not, being attracted not to only is not only is my accomplishment better than yours, it's thirty times better than yours. Yeah, yeah. It's like you know when you get a new, new, new significant other, and then you overpost about that person on Instagram. You're kind of overcompensating. You probably post about your new girlfriend thirty times more than your old girlfriend. So mm -hmm. that's like the ratio. That's what we're learning. We're we're learning the ratio is thirty to one. Every time you move on to something different. You have to justify it being 30 times better. Matthew in the comments says, as a Brit, I've never heard of a Super Bowl ring. Sums it up. And we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there. Yes. Because, yes, that's true. International nature of track and field. I guess, yeah, I don't know. What's the ring that the cricket championship yeah. in India gets? I have no idea. Right, right. Well, even, I'm sure it's really big in India. Like even cricket, even. Right? Even soccer, though, what are you? I mean, I know you get the little thing for the World Cup, the, the little trophy, which is really small, by the way, for the World Cup. I think it should be bigger, yeah. and it should be a cup. But I don't know what Premier League champions get, so I can totally see where Matthew and other people Could who you, are in the United States have have any clue about the whole idea around rings. 
Could you imagine that World Cup trophy in Ryan Krauser's hands? <laughs> Does Travis, Travis have it? Travis, up, yeah, pull, Travis, Travis can you pull that Ryan up? Krauser. Google Ryan Krauser hands or his, it was on his Instagram? It was on his Instagram. Yeah, there it here is. We, go. we got it right here. Let's imagine the uh, the World Cup trophy for size inside Ryan Krause's hands. So Travis will pull it up. But yeah, I mean, luckily, I guess soccer players notoriously have small hands so that it's able to look normal. But if Ryan mm -hmm. Krauser ever got into playing in FIFA, they would have to redesign that World Cup trophy because he would like cover up the trophy and then it'd be like, it looks like he's just holding like a, a kid's toy. So I saw this picture, Travis sent me this picture and I thought, at first I thought it was Photoshopped. Like I did not think this was real. And I know your hands obviously can be different sizes, even if you're not a professional thrower, because your ring size is usually different right to left. Jordan, you might need to know that one day, just a little hint for you. But I think this would have been interesting if Krauser's like the entire left side of his body was just normal human. And then the right side of his body was world record holder. Like, not just his hand, but his, his shoulder, his bicep, his quad, his calf, all the way down. Uh, this is phenomenal. This is one of those things that you'd never, you'd never think about as a, as a mere mortal. Look how massive the, his right hand is. He's the living, I'm not sure if the word it, embodiment of mm -hmm. the phrase, my good side, right? My, you mm -hmm. know how people, I'll oh, take a picture of my good side. He literally is showing my good side is my right hand because that's the side that throws a shot in world record world record distance. Yeah. So that's his good side. I wonder how common, I mean, I'm sure every, if it's this way for him, all the throwers have it. I don't know how pronounced it is, but you shake his hand and your hand just gets swallowed up, but then he could do, and no one's going to shake it. Left-handed would just be crazy. But if he did, you'd think it'd be two different people. What do you think he does when he opens his iPhone? Maybe he does facial recognition because when you put your thumb down, because some people do the thumb thing, right? Like he'd have to make sure it's always his his right and not his left because they would just it wouldn't fit on the pad. Yeah, I mean, I yeah probably he might have to. He probably doesn't use an iPhone. He probably uses an iPad as his phone for like size comparison, right? I mean, we were just with uh, Carl Lewis, and he uses that new uh, open Samsung, yeah, open Samsung phone. Yeah, it was like a book. Now that I look at this, when you look at this photo, we're gonna get Travis to get the photo. He kind of looks like there's a famous right hand in cinema these days, right? Okay. Oh, sure I know it. where you're going. I know where you're going with this. <laughs> I think we have Ryan Krauser's Halloween costume already planned out. He is literally Thanos. I, I've never seen this movie, but I know it's a very famous, you know, hand where he holds his glove. But his right mm -hmm. hand is literally that metal Thanos hand. What do you think? Do you, do you think Ryan Krauser is a good version of a real life Thanos? Yeah, but he wouldn't need to even put on the glove. Right? It's already yeah. that big. He just puts the stones in there. And then he has the costume done. The stones being his uh, gold rings. His yes. Olympic gold rings. Should we... Ooh, do you know what would be a good idea? 
business model. You ready for this? I got a yeah, business ready. model for you. We make rings out of Olympic gold medals, mm. and Olympic silver medals, and Olympic bronze medals. Where we're gonna we're gonna take your Olympic medal. We're gonna shave a little bit of the perimeter so you can still have what it looks like, and we take that yeah. shaving. And we put it into a little ball, and then we put it into a ring format. And so, therefore, you can wear your Olympic gold Wait. medal on your ring. Yeah. Maybe that's why Tyreek Hill was so down on the medals. Because he is just more of a ring guy, and no one's going to walk around in real life wearing a medal. Now, those rings are so bulky, and they're so expensive. I don't think people are walking into the practice facility with their Super Bowl ring on. But it's at least wearable for, for a time. I like that idea. But I th- it's a way to show about, it off all the time. Yeah, exactly. Because let's be honest. I mean, I was like this in high school and college and off. Whenever I would go to like a weird invitational where they give out like a medal or whatever, yeah, put it on your neck. And I would just like take it off right away because I felt weird walking around the track meet with like a medal yeah. around my neck. Sure. Now, obviously, sure. there's a difference between a gold medal at the Olympics and like <laughs> winning the Hill Creek easy open invitational section four four by eight i get it there's a big difference but i felt weird wearing a a medal around my neck and i'm sure these athletes might feel weird do you think centro is like constantly wearing ever puts around his neck his like no 2019 usa tf championship indoor i'm not sure i'm trying to pick a random year or whatever yeah he didn't win that he didn't win that year you know what i mean his gold is not wearing his gold everywhere Maybe yeah. he brings it to speaking engagements, and he took some photos of it after it happened. But it's probably under lock and key somewhere, or in a room at his house, and it just sits there. Exactly. It just sits but if we can find a way to yeah, turn the medal like into a ring, then all these Olympians can just have these Olympic rings. Mm-hmm. And literally, that's what they're called. They're called the Olympic rings. Yeah. Oh my I goodness! Like this is that's the name of the website, OlympicRings.com. We turn turn your Olympic medals into beautiful rings, and we say they're thirty to one better than Super Bowl rings in like the tagline. And Tyreek Hill's our spokesperson. Yeah, and we get Usain Bolt to like demo with us. He'll be our first prototype. That would be the, the scary part because someone is going to give us their Olympic medal for <laughs> us to like do the first transformation, and we might break it. So we have to either ask for probably. Who's going to be the least likely to get upset if we mess up one of their medals? Probably Phelps well, and Bolt. He's right? he's got twenty. Yeah, Phelps has Phelps has twenty three of them. You can do yeah. some beta testing on his medals, or we can test it on like indoor championship medals, right? Because no one cares about indoor champ. Something like that. Find like a mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the like NACAC U twenty three medals. Something yeah, like that. this is a great idea. All We're right. going to do this. Let's 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 move on to a story that you brought up to me yesterday in in the car about the Olympic trials in the marathon that I thought was pretty interesting. A rumor that you've been hearing. Now there was a lot of USATF news elsewhere yesterday, but I think this one is pretty interesting from a competition standpoint. Why don't you run through what you're hearing on that front? Yeah. So. Let's just first take it a step backwards. So people know there used to be this thing called like an A standard and a B standard in track and field where mm-hmm. you needed the A standard and then 
if you got like they made it kind of complicated like this whole like top three but if you're b you can get it if you're top four or whatever it was a weird thing but then they threw that out and then it was just yep. basically we had this thing called world standards and olympic standards and for the most part in most events top athletes would get those standards and if they didn't they could maybe chase it later on but it was a very very understandable understand understood process you run this time you throw this mark before the trials and you finish top three you're an olympian or you're a world championship qualifier but then a few years ago world athletics decided to change it up they decided to start introduce these things called world rankings mm -hmm. and at first they were going to throw out world standards and olympic standards and select every championship qualifier based off of world ranking descending order lists mm -hmm. and there was outcry like you can't do this. this we don't know anything about these rankings and they're like okay 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 sorry what we're gonna do is we'll just make the standards a bit harder and hopefully you know 50 percent of the field got in on their world standard and the other 50 percent of the field got in on their world ranking and we've been doing that the past few years notably uh the olympics this past year cole hawker went on to get six at the olympics he did not have the olympic standard he yeah. was selected because he had a good enough world ranking he won the trials so usatf was allowed to what well usatf because he won a trial had a petition for him to be in and because he was within the world ranking quota he was selected right and right. it wasn't that close but there were some edge cases like in the high jump where uh i can't believe i forgot her name what's her name anika mcpherson uh, Anika McPherson, there was a way she could have got in on world ranking, but they were living by the rule book a little too stringently, and she got mm. knocked off, even though she finished first or second at the trials. Anyway, yeah, there for the most part, ninety nine percent of it was fine. There was that one percent edge case where it got a little murky, but here's the thing: a big reason why ninety nine percent of it was fine is because most of our top three finishers all had the standard. So yeah. this whole world ranking wasn't really necessary for most of the time. But here's the thing. World athletics is not done with their selection process just being half world ranking, half world standard. They want to get to a situation where it's all world ranking. And then in that world, it puts USATF in a tough bind because they want to do the trials they think it's the best way to pick a team you finish top three in a track championship or marathon championship you are going to the team provided you you meet the criteria of the olympics or the world championship of world athletics but if they were to go to a world ranking only selection process meaning there's no standard you can't run a fast enough time to be deemed eligible you just have to be ranked high USATF will have a trouble with hosting a trials championships format to pick a team because let's look at the marathon. It's pretty, if the marathon, you kind of know, hey, you got to hit this time and be top three. Right. If there's no time to hit and it's only top three and the marathon trials is not the same as the Boston Marathon or the Chicago Marathon or London because it's not as prestige of an event because it's just Americans, even though we know yeah. prestige, but to the world, it's just Americans. There could be weird situations where we could have a third place finisher at the Olympic marathon trials, 
not have a good enough ranking, mainly because of situations like debuts. Like marathoners who make their debut. I mean, Galen Rupp ran his first marathon at the Olympic trials. Molly Seidel, first marathon there. In this ranking formula, they probably would not be ranked high enough and USATF would not be able to say, hey, you guys are going to, to the Olympics. And because of that, there is currently a halt. Well, not a halt, an open conversation within mm-hmm. USATF that they may be forced to adjust the way they select Olympic teams moving forward and maybe even world championship teams. And notably, people are thinking about this from the Olympic marathon trials perspective because there's a lot of runners out there who want to know what the new Olympic marathon trials standard is because, you know, people want to run fast and try to qualify and be on that starting line with Galen Rupp and Molly Seidel. And so basically the big rumor right now is could USATF put an end to the traditional Olympic marathon trials, to the traditional track trials, and be forced to kind of reimagine how they select teams. They don't want to do that. They like the way they do it. They think it's Mm -hmm. the best in the world. I think it's the best in the world too. But if World Athletics is going to create a new system, they don't want to be forced to like give promise to someone to get third at the Olympic marathon trials who's making their marathon debut and then them not be able to be selected because, hey, you don't have a high enough ranking. And yeah. basically, yeah, that's the, that's the situation. That's why people are kind of talk, rumored internally like, uh-oh, are the Olympic trials going to be gone? Like, mm-hmm. are they going to have to adjust it to what we're used to, top three and you're in? Mm-hmm. Track, as you mentioned, not as big of a deal. They get a lot of marks. Very few people are debuting in the 1500 at the Olympic trials, in part because you have to qualify to get in. Yeah. Marathon is different. You have debutantes, but you also have fewer racing opportunities and a wider variety of races. So if your goal is to get a high enough ranking, it would drastically change where you raced. You know, maybe yeah. New York, New York, Boston would not be in the offing for some of these athletes. Maybe that would not be what, what they choose to run. Instead, they'll go to a, a race where they can finish higher up uh, and get a faster time and accrue points. I don't know. So, some people will figure out the best way to put themselves in a position to qualify, and that's where it will go. But whatever path they choose, it's not going to be as good as the trials. Now, I'm not saying that the current system of how people race is perfect, but whatever they do to come up with it, it's obviously going to end up being less equitable, right? Because it's not going to be, hey, everybody show up, top three go, you all agreed on the rules. That's fair. We, we pretty much think that that's fair. And the team that gets sent is pretty good. Because even when you have situations like Molly Seidel and you're like, man, Molly Seidel, I don't know, man. Maybe it should have been someone with more experience. She goes and gets the bronze medal, and everybody shuts up about it. It's like, all right, well, <laughs> that was bad. Or, or, or the year in was it 2016 in Rio? Uh, high hurdles. Kenny Harrison doesn't make it. Goes on, breaks the world record that year. What happens? U.S. goes one, two, three in the high hurdles in the Olympics. So trials end up working themselves out. That's what's good about it. It takes all of the guesswork out. Track gives a little bit more wiggle room. 
because people get into that ranking system and then they finish pretty high in most cases. But I think the marathon would end up being much messier. Yeah. And that's the main concern they have. They also, they're kind of up to a deadline. Like they need World Athletics to kind of let them know, Mm -hmm. hey, what's your 2024 plan? And it's kind of hard for World Athletics to think about 2024 plans when, you know, they're thinking about the 2022 champs, the 2023 champs. But for Americans, people think about 2024 multiple years out because of this whole Olympic marathon trial standard. And just imagine a world where they'd say, all right, the new Olympic marathon trial standard is 220 whatever for the men and 240 whatever for the women, right? Mm -hmm. And then for a year plus, all these men and women are like, hey, okay, got to get the Olympic marathon trial standard. And they start doing it. And then when we get close to the Olympics, the Olympic marathon trials, they find out like there's going to be a lot of people at this race who have no chance of qualifying, even if they run out of their mind and run a really fast time because the trials is not going to be a premier labeled race and all that stuff, right? So winning it isn't going to boost their ranking high enough. And this could be, they don't want a situation where the third place person just because of the new system is outside the ranking because their debut, they don't have, a, you know, whatever. And they, cause there could be some kid in college right now who's ready to make their debut in 2024 right. and is going to be a star like, like Molly was and wouldn't make it. I mean, that's actually a good, I'm going to look this up. I'm going to go to world athletics. I'm going to go to the, the stat zone. Gotta go, go to, to stats on. world rankings, event rankings. I'm talking you through it because this is a podcast, right? People listen to it in the podcast format. Let's they can click along at home. Mar- it's interactive. Click along at home. Marathon ranking. Let's do uh, three per country. Okay. And then when did Molly, when were the Olympic marathon trials? 2020, February. February. Okay, well, they. I'll just do January because they're 2020 February, right? February yep. what? I don't remember the exact day. Um, I'll look up. Okay, I'll just do the March. Okay. February 29th. So 80, 80 women were selected, right? So she needed to have a ranking. That was 11.23 or better. And on that date, so a ranking of a point total of 1,123 to be selected. And Molly had, okay, so she would have gotten in, but she would have been close to not getting in. So her ranking would have been 1,174. So she would have been just above the threshold to get in. But it would have been close, right? Mm-hmm. So if there was even if it was a slower marathon, someone like Molly would not have been ranked high enough. Actually, did Molly well, run what's... a marathon between June? Yes, she ran London, but that's because it was a pandemic. So that's a totally different. Yeah. In most cases, she would not have run another marathon before the Olympics, and that would have been that would have been it. And forcing them to run a second marathon before the Olympics would just be very very stupid in terms of. Yeah. Preparation. Here's my problem with all this. 
I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to find a solution to getting people to run in high profile meets against each other and put less of an emphasis on time. The problem is with that, you still have a limit of three per country. So we're still not getting the best 48 or best 24 or best 200 people in a road race, right? That's still not the system. So it's not this easy to figure out, oh, Hawker's 39, he needs to race to move up. Let's all follow along because you don't know who they're scratching. You don't know what country is putting what athlete in. The other problem with it is World Athletics still doesn't have control over who athletes send. We saw a situation in Tokyo, athletes could have been selected. We're in the queue from other countries, smaller countries, and they chose not to send anybody versus sending an athlete that was eligible. That's not good either. And I can't really tell a difference between, and maybe it'll take a couple of years. It, it, seems, it seems the same to me. I can't tell the difference in the regular season in track and field when it was time standards versus points. Ranking. I can't. The meets still look the same to me. They look the same to me. I haven't noticed all the Olympic finalists lining up to run in a midseason meet and then they didn't before. I, I, I don't see that happening. So I think it was a partial, a limited solution for a small problem within the larger scheme of of track and field. Yeah. I mean, you say you haven't seen it. I kind of feel like I've seen it. I felt like the continental tours have been a bonus to our track season. I think. Are they the better than they were though? Not... People, the continental tours, look, think back continental tour in 2018 and 19 was not what it is, was in 2021. I don't, but uh... Okay, but that could be a different reason. I think Shelly and Fraser okay. Price and Elaine Thompson are showing up to the Continental Tour to get points. They're showing no, up because it's a good not. meet and, a, and, and, it's a good, and it's a good race. And Continental Tour, I mean, go back to, I don't know if it was labeled Continental Tour back in the day, but that Berlin meet's been good forever. Dave Arisha yeah. broke world record there. Zagreb, Ostrava, Sheikh Eskivayavar, all those have been solid meets for a while. The whole idea of it, we were talking about yesterday, you want to get rid of people running time trials in the middle of a forest. Okay, yeah. so you get rid of that, right? So you get rid of that, or you deprioritize that, but that's just a small. Most most people aren't doing that, especially yeah. internationally. There, are, most people aren't yeah. doing that, and you get rid of that. All right, so then they go and they go. They do a time trial at a slightly bigger meet, and then they get their points, and then they move on. I just haven't seen it, and the confusion of you having to do this algorithm to figure out if Cole Hawker is in or not. I guess it's fun for some people, but it seems an awful lot like how it was before with the, just the time standards of this is where he is. This person's going to scratch. This person is the fourth athlete from that country. They're going to bump down. Hey, if he can just go to Europe and in Belgium break 335, then then we're all good. It's still that same convoluted mess. Yeah. Yeah, I just think that if we did have a world where we couldn't do one, two, three. There's going to be a lot of people upset, right? And, a lot yeah, of... and they should be. Should be. Yeah. I don't think it so... would be the right – I don't think it would be the right call. Everybody's looking for the perfect remedy here, the perfect way to select a team. And I think for the United States, the trials is the best way given the structure that we have. And you look at the results, and I think it bears it out as well too. So what – last thing on this point. There always mm – -hmm. there's been talk sometimes outside – 
of a, a potential solution to do the best of both worlds. I'm not sure if I agree with the solution, but it's an idea. In order to maintain the trials, it's the the rule becomes if you have three Americans in your top 48 ranking, yeah, you can send yeah. whatever three Americans you want. Right. So therefore, you can just have your trial. So like, yeah. all America needs is have John Smith, Dwayne Smith, and Johnson Smith be in the top 48, and then you can send Gordon Mack, Kevin Sully, and Lincoln Strike mm-hmm. to the mm-hmm. because we want one, two, three. Colt in there? Or Colt. Colt in the top. Colt's the ultimate. Okay. Sorry, Colt. But what do you think uh, about that where the country just gets a slot because they have one of their countrymen taking up a slot? Okay. Good on his face. I think for the U.S., it would work fine because we have this tradition of the trials process. I'm trying to dummy-proof this. And where I think there would be an issue would be a clear, you know, a situation of corruption where – some federation, you, they don't have trials and they unilaterally pick the team and they say, oh, this person is, they run 13-5 in the 100. They're going to go because their brother is related to the coach and that other person is now off the team. Like it would, it would set up possibly for corruption. Now, yeah. you could say, listen, country X, if you're willing to torpedo your chances at the Olympics and not send somebody in the top 48, because if you're in the top 48, pretty damn good you're not guaranteed a medal yeah but, but you're pretty good it's not like you're a universality selection yeah. and you're just getting you're getting sent to run a race and then you're probably getting eliminated in the first round and then you're going home you're pretty legit so if you want to say hey country if you want to screw yourself over and not send one of these top athletes that's on you we're assuming that you're going to try to send your best team but i, I could see the other side of it where people would say well it, it opens the door for people just to send people as as favors and not not pick the best people but you can say hey that's a country or, by country decision because right now countries are just not sending people at all look at what sweden did last year i haven't forgotten yeah. sweden i still remember you had athletes that qualified you, and you didn't send them i have a long memory or you have some something like netherlands and safana sounds like i only want to do one event this year but they're, sure. the federation's like well you're going to run the eight the 15 the steeple yeah. the five the ten and the marathon so we have a spot in all those events, and then we'll send someone in to represent Netherlands. Exactly. And you just run your one fifteen hundred, because then, you know, whatever Which, Hassan scratches, they get yeah. to put in a new athlete. ultimate teamwork. Though I kind of like yeah. like you're saying that is a bad thing. I'm kind of interested in that. How many this athletes? Like qualifying? Yeah, how many athletes can Hassan get in the meet? Yeah, you've heard of the plus one. Safan Hassan rolls up to the Olympics with a plus ten. She's just like, these are the people I helped qualify. I mean, we do that at the NCA level, especially the DMR. Yeah. I mean, let's be honest. There are a lot of the DMR on, on the women's side is purely based off of having a fast miler because the difference between miler one and two is bigger than it is on the men's side. So there are a lot of times when there's a women's DMR team, there'll be like four women's DMR teams that are only there because yeah. their star 5K runner anchored for them at the qualifying. And then now they're not running DMR because they're doing a 5K. And all of a sudden, they're throwing in a 10-second slower mile right. leg. And all of a sudden, it's like, why is this team here? Oh, they're there because the star 5K runner got them there. And now they get just to participate and finish ninth. So Maybe there's some happen. limits to it. Maybe there's some limits to it. Maybe you say, hey, if your country has three, you can send – 
you can send whoever you want, but they need to be within the top, and then you widen the net like tremendously. But then you have the you widen the net, and then there's another like already on the inside of the net or the outside of the net. Yeah, that's true. It's a tricky problem to solve. I just don't think it's high up on the list of issues that are, are number one solvable, and two would make a dramatic difference in track. And if you're getting rid of trials, it's going to be it's going to be a bummer because then instead of because before, if you're worried about favoritism and people getting on the team when they shouldn't, then you're worried about someone getting on a team just because they figured out the system a little bit better. And we saw this with the with the fall marathon qualifying for the Eugene World Championships. Now, granted, part of that was their own fault because they came up with the selection idea midway through, but you saw how that was skewed. A, a high finish in one race was not equal to a high finish in another race. And you right, can't base it just on times either. I got the solution, man. I got it. You ready for the solution? Hit me. In a world where USATF is forced to abandon the trials because of world ranking qualification, this would be their solution. The Olympic marathon trials will forever be now rotated between Chicago, Boston, yeah, yeah. and New York. Right. And whatever cycle we're in, say we're in the Chicago year, the Chicago 2023 marathon becomes the de facto Olympic trials. And if you want to go to the Olympics, you have to enter Chicago. And therefore, you finish top, top three American in Chicago, then you're here's, going. Here's the problem, though. What's to stop somebody from just jumping in a race two weeks later or a month later and getting more points and then moving ahead of a person they lost to in Chicago. Well, you can be a, a, an American moving up doesn't change your world ranking quota because there's only three athletes. So there could be 50, 50 Americans, but you, you only count three American heads in the quota. That wouldn't affect your ranking. No, but I'm saying... American I'm passing saying, you doesn't affect your ranking because it gets canceled out because multiple Americans all count. No, but I'm, saying, but I'm saying, isn't the system going to take the top three people in the rankings? Isn't no, that the, the idea? system is not, it's not about that. It's taking the top three countrymen that you choose that are within the top 80. Okay, fine. Yeah. But what if, what if they run Boston and they're not in the top 80? Well, you would assume if they finished top three American in the Boston Marathon, that that's going to – the odds of the third best American in the Boston race, a, a premier gold label, platinum label status race, would yeah. not be ranked high enough because they would get enough points. Like, there, it, the odds would be one in a, like a – you know – would be even more rare than a 30 Super Bowl rings type thing. I just, the way you'd have to write that rule would be really interesting because you're saying you have to go to this race, even though it's not the Olympic trials, and your ranking has to be high enough. But we're not choosing based on ranking. It's just you need to be in the top 80 of the ranking. So if you well, go and you try to. That's how Cole Hopper yeah, got but, selected. Sure. And that was, that was spelled out, but that was made a lot easier by the fact that he won 
trials as well, wasn't it? Yeah. And it was like an official like, trials. There was an official trials race and track. What you're talking about is yeah. there's no official trials race. It's hey guys and women, no, let's all show up. There is an let's official trials up. race. They're going to say the top to three Chicago? finishers at Boston, the top three, the top three Americans in Chicago in 2023, are the team are the three that they're going to uh, select for the the marathon. Yeah. Okay. So that's the the race is just like because the thing is the Olympic marathon trials race in the eyes of world athletics it's just a random like a bunch of Americans running in loops but to the eyes of world athletics if those yeah. Americans are doing it on the Chicago course in October all of a sudden like oh that's impressive now I know so that's we just ridic- have, that's, as an American we just have to hijack our three majors to become gold I know but, platinum status that's but that's silly hijack our that's, own majors. That's silly. We take the three every four years. So you get rid of Olympic trials race and just host an Olympic trials in a race where they're going to get less exposure and less media attention and don't call it the Olympics. I get why you do that. I totally understand. You don't get less exposure. A hundred percent because they'd finish third, seventh, and twelfth versus the first three across the line. And it doesn't have Olympic trials in the name. It's still the Chicago Marathon. I don't think so. I think... There's definitely years no. when Americans First of all, there would be a camera. There, there would be a camera that's dedicated to the top American the entire time. It's not. It's not, it's not as interesting. It's not as interesting. I get what you're saying. There's no way it's as interesting and no way it's marketed as well, shot as well, produced as well as an Olympic trials race where you know all the contenders are on the line. You're doing a race within a race, which some countries do in Europe, right? You see the like the Ethiopian 10,000 trials are in this this race. Yeah. And there's also a guest runner here from Kenya and this guy from Germany. Not as good. It's not as good. You need to, everybody qualify, needs to you be on have the line. Se- Creating a diet Olympic trials is just stupid. It's stupid. I get, again, I get why you're saying they would have to do it, but that just kind of underscores why this whole charade is silly in the first place. Create an Olympic trials at, a, at, a, at an American major to pick the top three. We already do that. It's just not a major. But you have all the best yeah, Americans that are in, running for a spot. Hey, if this is the way, okay, would you rather would you rather have that, or would you rather have uh, the way they selected the world championship team this year? No, I want like, the no, I want the trials back. No, you can't or have that to stay. I'm, I'm, I'm giving you. Gordon, I want it though. Gordon, I need the trials to stay. I just, don't you think it's a little silly that they would have to reverse engineer this process around? A pretty arbitrary outcome i think it's pretty silly you had something that works and then you're taking it all away just to fit into this weird box that someone created well we think that we're you have all people things though. on the planet so i think i don't i don't think it's that big of a deal i, I think i would I think watch would the chicago marathon and there would be two cameras like this is the guy winning it and then this is the top american right now and this is the second like you just have a, a camera on the three and you're watching that race and they do that it in would marathons be... anyway. I mean, sure, there's a staggered start for men and women, but like we see someone celebrate twice. Yep. We see a but woman can... celebrate, and we see a man celebrate. You can and tell we see a, a wheelchair athlete celebrate, and we see another two wheelchair athletes celebrate. We see four celebrations. What's the difference to seeing six? That's different because it's clear that the men's there's a men's and women's race, and it's clear different well, starts. They've been tracking it's clear. them. All the time. That it would be an international component and an American component. It's clear. It Make would be thirty saying, "I am American," you know, whatever. It would be thirty times less interesting 
I did the math than if they just stuck with the Olympic trials as is. It's right. it's 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 a dumb solution to a problem that doesn't really exist. Is there a problem here in marathon selection? I, you can well, talk about track all you want. If you want to talk about track all you want, that's fine. Put track in a different bucket. But are we worried that the marathon season is getting less interesting because it's not based not on world rankings? That. No. It's a hundred percent. What's it about then? They well, want people to show up to for these Amer races. Like, well, are you? But USATF doesn't make the rules. World Athletics makes the rules. So right. USATF and I'm can't saying, just like be like, we're doing our own thing. From a world athletics, from a world athletics perspective, what is wrong with the marathon right now? What problem are they trying to solve by doing this? They identified a problem in track, and they're just applying it to the marathon that doesn't exist. Well, no, they're marathon is just they're applying to everything. It's right. Well, there's no rule that says they have the to though. Do their own thing. They make the rules. They don't need to take what they do in track and do it to the marathon. They don't need to. They're in charge. They can say the marathon is going to go on as it has in the past, and we're going to do it like this because the marathon works pretty well. Got all these majors, people running them. There's nobody doing time trials in the forest. And each country can send the team that they want, however they want. There's no problem that they're so solving. So you're saying it. they should do world rankings for every event only, and then, but for a marathon, there's no world ranking. It's just time. I don't. The second part I agree with. First part, I don't. Track is a different conversation. We can argue about that later. But yes, keep the marathon the way it is. There's no problem with the marathon right now in terms of Olympic selection. There yeah, is. The thing is, like you're complaining. You're trying, like. You don't control what World Athletics does, but you can control what USATF does in response. I know. I'm. This is directed to World Athletics. I'll look right at the camera. World Athletics, there is no Set problem up. that you're solving here. Yeah, Sebastian, call me. What problem are you trying to solve? I understand, Gordon, what you're saying, that USATF has to react to what World Athletics is doing. I'm saying, let's go back even a step further. Why is World Athletics doing this? This does not make the sport in any way, shape, or form better. Marathons yeah. are fine. This doesn't fix anything. It's all stupid. Everyone knows the ultimate solution is four majors. I've been saying it since I started working at Flow That's Track. What hey, four majors, got... and we solve this problem. Tennis works. Golf works. Track and field needs to get well, rid of diamond, really... get rid of continental tour, get rid of world championships. Just four majors. Boom. Done. So now you're really doing revolutionary change. All I'm saying is keep it the same. And you're like, that's unrealistic. But here's what you should do. Completely overhaul the season around four majors. That's what you should do. Uh, real quick, do you want to talk about this investigation? The U.S. Attorney's Office uh, is in investigating, it appears, Nike and their relationship with USATF. The story broke yesterday. Sarah Lorge Butler of Runner's World wrote it up. A lot of it, I mean, people are hush-hush on it in terms of comment from both USATF and the officials who are investigating USATF. I mean, track and track just gets investigated a lot. Jordan, I think that's what we've learned that track town bid got investigated internationally, all the stuff around, I mean, Diak was investigated. There seems to be a lot of people poking around with track. This appears to revolve around that deal that USATF signed with Nike that goes from, that went from 2014 to 2040, which is still hard to believe that they signed that deal. And at the time, at the time, people were saying, critics of it were saying, hey, your value might be way better in 2040 
why would you sign a deal that long? And then USATF were saying, hey, we were able to lock in this number for a long time. We have financial stability. A lot of the article talks about conflicts of interest, potential conflicts of interest in terms of commissions that people got as a result of the deal. Uh, goes into Max Siegel's compensation as well, although that's been reported and written about quite a bit. Um, so waiting for more details. This stuff usually you don't find out a ton about until you do, and then you find out a big chunk of it. But there is at least uh, an investigation here into something that I think at the time raised plenty of eyebrows, that 36-year partnership agreement that was signed. Okay, so first of all, the article is long, but like 75% of the article was just complaining that Max Siegel is overpaid, which isn't illegal to be overpaid, to be over, just because he's making more than the USA swimming CEO. All right. right. Yeah. It's yeah, a yeah, bad yeah. look, but it's not illegal to get paid more money. Yes. It's a bad look for him to have a higher expense report than other CEOs, but it's not illegal. Like whatever. Right. So that all was just fluff to fill the article, in my opinion. The whole point of the headline is criminal investigation. So the crime that I'm assuming that they're investigating or potential crime is that when they signed the, the deal with Nike yeah. for tw to 2040, that the real reason, I, I, I could be wrong, so correct me, that the real reason the deal was a 40-year deal as opposed to a typical four-year or eight-year deal that most contracts like these would be Mm -hmm. or 10 mm -hmm. years at 12, maybe the longest, whatever, um, was because the reason why I went to 2040 is because the people they were working with to, to make the deal would get commission yeah. on the deal. And therefore they could make a shit ton more money if this deal was for 40 years and right. basically racking all this commission money. And that the reason why it was for 40 years, as opposed to a typical four, eight or 12 year deal was so that the commission could be skyrocketed. And it wasn't about USATF preserving uh, consistency of financial stability for 40 years. It was about getting that one big time check in 2014. Mm -hmm. Here's the here's what Butler's right? article says. Is that yeah, it says, the crime is? The, well, the deal, was illegal, well, we, okay. we don't know. We, we don't know what the specific crime is yet, but it says the, or what they're alleging it says the deal was negotiated by two former Nike employees, Chris, uh, Bellavacqua and Adam Helfant, whose firm Bellavacqua Helfant Ventures LLC is named in the subpoena. USATF's 2014 form 990 shows the firm earned 504, uh, 594,000, sorry, $504,000 uh, that year. And that 23.75 million was set aside for quote, deferred sponsorship commission expenses. A 2016 Washington Post investigation reported that those commission expenses will be paid out to Bellavacqua Hellfant Ventures through 2039 for its part in negotiating the deal. And then it also talks about this, how the same post article addressed Matchbook Creative, which is also named in the subpoena and counts USATF among its clients and detailed its ties to Siegel. At one point, the company called itself a Max Siegel company and employees at Matchbook had email addresses ending in at Max Siegel Inc., according to the post. Um, and they denied that. Matchbook CEO said that they never meant to give the impression Matchbook was owned by Max. So, yes, I think what you're saying is correct. That's the issue here. The deal was given, um, and it's just a conflict of interest situation. And 
the whole thing raised eyebrows because of the length of time, right? It drew all this attention over to it, and then people start asking questions. But the report says that that people are being questioned. Um, so I don't know when we're going to find out about this. Um, so let's, runners, let's, World, runners, runners World is saying that FBI agents interviewed high-ranking official within USATF about the finances. So there you go. So let's think of two timelines. Timeline one, nothing, no crime is found. Okay, life moves on, yeah. right? Timeline number two, a crime is found. Mm-hmm. And the deal was illegally made due to conflicts of interest and internal, like, getting your buddies quick rich scheme right whatever yep would that make the deal void and then then a new deal would have to be made is that what would happen ah it's a great question i'm like when a when a bid for a champion no we want this right well right and when a bid for a championship has been investigated and found to be illegally gotten i don't think they take the bid away they just punish the people involved in the bid but yeah. sometimes that's because that event has already happened and you can't go back in time and, and rescind, the, rescind the bid. But to say it's going to reopen it, I mean, 2039 is a long time. That is a long time. And again, the people saying it was a great deal were pushing the perspective that, okay, let's lock in the number now because maybe it won't be as good later. But that, who knows where we'll be? Then. I mean, like, let's do a quick, let's do a a quick deal right now. How much was it for a, a year? It was for, let me figure that out. $475 million, uh, $19 million per year. So $19, 19 million, million so, the per, so the first year was 2017, right? Yes, 2017 to 2040 was the deal. So 19 million in 2017 inflation. Inflation calculator. There we go. I want the value of 19 million. Is that right? How do I, 19. Gordon is figuring um, out how to use the inflation calculator. 2017 to 2021. Okay, so 19 million in 2017, it's already worth. 20.5 million. So we've already lost $1.5 million in this deal. Okay. So let's go back 40 years. If, let's say inflation is the same. I mean, it's what, 20 years? So let's go back 20 years to 1997. Well, it's going to be 30. So it's going to be 30, 33 19 years. 19 yeah. million in 1997. Don't know if this is how oh, it works, but go ahead. No, wait. That's not how it works. We want to go the other direction, right? We want reverse inflation. So we'll make this like... Deflation? Gordon is really doing some math on this episode. So we're 2017. Okay, no, it's not for it. Let's do 30. I'm doing this a quick math. 2017. Do 20. All right. This is good. Well, basically, it goes up from... So... It goes inflation over twenty years is like from from nineteen million of twenty years later is uh thirty one million. So there's a chance that 
in 2040, our value, the value of $19 million would be really actually $31 million. So basically we'll be getting about $10 million less in value in 2040 because we're locked in on the $19 million number. Okay, but let's forget, put inflation aside for a second. Does 19 million seem high or low to you per year as title sponsor? Seems, I mean, 19 million is a lot of money, right? I would love to have $19 million. I'm sure you would. Yeah. Uh, but it seems low. Guess but what? At the same time, like, Track is not NFL football, so we can't pretend that we are the rights value of like NBA and NFL and World Cup because we're not. We're not in the billions. Yeah, like that's yeah. just not what track is. Guess what? Well, what are we say? According to CNBC, I guess guess what NBA's sponsorship revenue was. Um, I guess last year. Now this is all sponsorship, so this is is not this is not an apples to apples comparison with the Nike situation in the 19 million but just guess what nba's was what 1.46 billion yeah in sponsorship rather the 1.4 yeah yeah and i look 19 i don't know how you quantify it right like you're getting the nike signage up at, yeah you're getting the nike signage up at the meets and the advertisements and all that brand exposure and they want to be a big player in track and field. And they're obviously involved with, uh, you know, Eugene and Hare field and track town and world championships. And so, but it's hard to quantify. You're right. How much exposure you get. And it's not a major four, uh, four or five, whatever, however, however many, sports. there's not even really major sports anymore. I feel like because things get popular real quickly and there's one off USC events that are huge. So it, it's not that top line, top line type of event. I just thought when I, re I remember reading the deal at the time and being like, okay, well maybe they did lock him in at a high number. And then I heard 19 million. I thought, okay, I don't know if that's that high, even by 2020 standards or 2014 standards, yeah. let alone 2040, like by 2040, you're probably going to have about half a billion. Maybe. <laughs> Me? With yeah. my investments? Yeah. Yes, exactly. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, and also the biggest deal is Nike, um, it's a it's a running sport, so the most important sponsor is going to be a running apparel company. And right, right. Basically, what's the value? Like, there's no incentive for USATF to sign deals with Adidas ever, or sign deals with Brooks ever. So they're kind of locked in at 19. But like, yeah, yeah. If you found a way to imagine, if you got Nike, Adidas, Brooks, Puma, all to give you 19 million dollars a year, yeah, because you figured yeah. out a way kind of balance the running world so everyone get so you get a little bit of everyone's pie but yeah choosing to only take 19 million from nike but not you know maybe 10 yeah. million from every brand you could be having 80 million you know yeah well and that was i remember that was a complaint too at the time not just that like we don't know what it's going to be like in 2040 when this thing's up or 2030 but also hey you're just locking yourself into one sponsor who demands complete and uh total exclusivity and that's that's lowballing the the number as well too. All right, real quick, we got to go because Colts uh, Colts got a busy day ahead of him. Um, Houston trip yesterday saw uh, Carl Lewis, Leroy Burrell, 
Houston Cougars. Saw him work out. We, we got some stuff going on um, up on the site in, in the coming weeks. What was your what was your favorite part of the trip? Uh, uh, watching a workout. Saw the South African athlete, Sean Moswangani. Did I say his name right? I think I did. I think you did it. You did it. I did it right. I, I said his name too. right. Uh, he challenged me to say his name right. Uh, potential NCAA champion in the sprints. You got to look at him. Look at Joseph Fambula and maybe bowling at Georgia, maybe the Oregon athlete as well. Uh, but he's going to be, Houston's going to be in the running for an individual title in the hundreds and the two hundreds. They're going to have a good four by one. Saw the four by one guys, saw them doing some starts. They got a good 400 meter hurdle crew. Um, mm-hmm. They got two really good freshmen coming in who are really good in the 400 hurdles. So uh, they, they, they're reloaded. You know, we remember following them in 20, 19 during speed city with the mm-hmm. you know they had mario burke and uh kamari montgomery and all those guys so now yeah. it's a new new generation of, of talent led by sean and i'm excited to see what they do yeah it was fun to be out there we videoed some uh some break, race breakdowns with carl which will go on the site later on which people will like with big name athletes um Given his insight on those those races, and also you talked to him about the U.S. four by one, which we'll post that interview yeah. in the coming weeks. He had thoughts. Mm-hmm. Let's say that he did have Let's thoughts. Say that that's true. Lots of thoughts. Yeah, but it was yeah, it was cool. And uh, Maswangani's got a long jump probably this year as well, too. So that should be exciting. And Carl was really big on the the women's four by one, having having potential this season as well. So it was fun. Good. Track was track was in the air. I'll say that. Track was in Track the was air. In the air. The, uh, they were going to run a meet at Texas A&M this weekend, but it got canceled because one of the lighting fixtures, I think, crashed onto the track. Mm. So their meet got canceled. Anyway. But, yeah, we'll see you guys Friday. Like, mm-hmm. subscribe, tell your friends. Friday will be a good podcast, previewing the BU season opener. The fields are looking really, really good. That's live on mm-hmm. Flow Track on Saturday. We'll talk about it all on Friday, along with Running Lane, Valencia. This this upcoming weekend is going to be a big running weekend. Lots of cross country, yeah. some good indoor tracks, so some fast sprint stuff too. It's going to be good. Cue the music. We're doing it. It's been good, Kev. I love you. Talk to you later. Thanks, Cole. Thanks, Travis. <laughs>